Good morning, everybody. It's a great day to see you in church. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's worship together. Come on, put those hands together. Voice, we sing, I give you glory. I give you glory for all you brought me through. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward to follow after you. And now I'm ready for whatever you
Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord together? Man, we are so glad that you joined us for service today. Why don't you take a second, step out from your seat, and welcome somebody to church today. everybody welcome to the assembly we are so glad that you are here in church with us today we have an awesome service plan and we can't wait to see what god is going to do in this time together i just want to say the ushers are coming forward with some um some attendance books i'm sorry and if you will just fill your name out on that and if it's your first time if you'll take the connection card that's in the seat in front of you Fill out that information, drop it in the offering bucket as it passes by here in just a few moments. That'll help us in connecting with you and your family. And we have a gift to say thanks for being in church with us today. Growth Track is the fastest way for you to get involved and find out about all the great things that we have going on at the church. It's the best way to get involved in serving, finding out about our group life. And so make sure you find out more information in our, our lobby about Growth Track today as you leave. We have a great weekend planned next weekend. Saturday morning, we have a men's breakfast. It's always a great event for men to come and have a fellowship and a time of just great food. Some men plan to be there next Saturday morning. Next Saturday night, we have an event called Night Out Against Crime. And this is actually put on by the city of Broken Arrow. And we have an entire city block that we get to take over and let people know about all the great things going on at the assembly and just be a light in our community. And so this is an incredible opportunity for us next Saturday night. Now, next Sunday morning, we have an event called the Pirates Adventure. I know you guys are excited about that. We have a lot of great things planned for that. We even have our, some of our pirates coming out here today. And uh, this is Kellen, this is my son, he's my little pirate. Give it up for these pirates as they come. Woo! So, all during the month of October, we've had people building boats. We've had, thanks Kellen, you stay here beside me. All during the month of October, we've had people building boats to help us promote this great event that we have coming up next weekend. And so during our 1045 service, this entire stage is gonna be transformed into the scene of a pirate ship. We're gonna have just a blast for families, kids, invite your grandkids and your, your neighborhood. Everybody you know should come be a part of this unforgettable day. You definitely won't want to miss it. I know Pastor Ron's gonna have a lot of fun with this message and with this service next Sunday. So be here for that. Then, thank you pirates, you guys can go ahead and go back off. Give it up for them one more time. I'm pretty proud of that little pirate over there. 
Next Sunday night, right after that service, that evening, 5 o'clock, we have an event called our Trunk or Treat. And we're expecting thousands of people from across the community to come out and be a part of this. And so we need your help because we're going to have inflatables and games and pony rides and trunks for kids to come have a safe place to do their trick-or-treating. And so we still need your help with some trunks being decorated. And so if you're willing to do that, if you'll text the word trunk or treat, all one word, to phone number 313131. Let us know that you're going to be a part of that and that'll help us to be ready and be prepared to receive the great crowds that we're expecting this coming Sunday night. So it's a lot of great things going on and we just we want you to be a part of it because it's cool to see the church come together and make these types of events happen. The ushers are coming to help receive our morning tithes and offering today. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to have great services planned every single week, but also to be able to do these types of events where we can be a light and shine into our community and help share the gospel and let people know about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. So let's pray and ask his blessing on the offering this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you are to us, the way that you provide in every area. You are just everything that we need in all things. You are our provision. And God, we give back cheerfully today, knowing, God, that you're going to use it for your kingdom to help reach people and bring them to know you. We pray a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't you ready for a great time? So much fun and high-impact stuff. Don't miss it. It's going to be the best. Welcome, everybody. It is great to see you. Thank you for being here at the assembly. It's been a very strategic weekend, to say the least. Uh, last night was incredible. It's fall break week, as you know, and often this is a Sunday that's challenging with attendance because people take an opportunity to get away. And even with that, last night, out of three weeks at the Rose District, it was the second strongest night in attendance because God's just doing something. And the message you're about to hear today it all started last night, and God really used it. And, and people came like many of you because of what I'm talking about today. I'm going to talk about mental health, mental illness, depression. You may hear me say some things that you, you've not heard a pastor say before. And you may hear some things along the way that uh, create a little tension. And I would just uh, ask you to stay engaged hear the whole message, and, and let's let the Bible inform us, lead us, let's let it be the authority that it is, uh, and to just speak life. I want to say to people who have come in here, perhaps wondering if there's any hope, if anything will ever change, by what I saw last night, by what I saw at nine o'clock this morning, there is hope for you in Jesus. There's hope for you. And uh, matter of fact, it, the first service didn't get out until about 10.30. And so it was just a work of God. And I'm excited to share his word with you. I love you. Going to bring this from a heart that's not just preaching, but reaching. And there will be an opportunity for you to respond. And my prayer is that you'll just be quick to do that. No matter if you've responded before, first time or be many times now that you've answered a res an altar call like this that you're coming and God is going to do something very personal very specific 
It's got your name on it. You ready? Lord Jesus, just help us, teach us, lead us, guide us, empower us. You're going to break through for someone's situation today. It's been a personal battle. Some, it's just something that spins back to childhood. Others, it's within a marriage. It's relational. For some, they're going through a a private, personal struggle with sin. Lord, all of these things that affect our inner well-being, all of these things that want to crush our spirit, where we would live out our days in depression rather than the destiny and the fulfillment of the dream that you have for us. We just, from the beginning, ask you to raise protection around our focus today and ask you to help us to hear at the level that you are speaking. Your word says that if if we hear with the ears you give us, the ears of the heart, that we'll be changed. So we thank you for it. We receive from you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's give the Lord a praise for his grace to us. Amen. The reason I am bringing this message is because I joined the many who believe it is now uh, the number one challenge facing culture today. And I would express that challenge, obviously, on top of just the need for Jesus. That's ultimate. That is eternal. That is certainly priority. But apart from your relationship with Jesus, this is the number one challenge. One out of nine people are on medication today trying to confront, deal with, overcome depression. One out of five people have been. I see these beautiful students here. If you're age 15 to 24, would you stand up? Age 15 to 24, would you stand across this place, remain standing for a moment? Wow, that's amazing. Let's give these people a hand. You can be seated. I remember the day I could stand up in that category. I barely remember it. The number one killer of those aged 15 to 24 is suicide, a result of depression. And that's unacceptable. We've got to talk about this. We've got to speak into this. There's just way too much damage occurring. We're living in just a whirlwind of dysfunction. I have not come to in any way say things that create guilt. I have come to get real honest. The rugged reality of this human experience that involves challenges mentally, chemically, physically, emotionally, relationally, morally, and we have to have an answer. And the good news today is we're not gonna reduce the challenge you are going through down to just one niche area. If you're struggling emotionally, physically, we're not going to tell you just to read the Bible more because you probably are already doing that. We're not going to tell you just to pray more. But at the same time, apart from the word and apart from prayer, there is a resource of supernatural power demanded to get through these struggles. Can you say amen? So, you know, just going to be right out there and honest about it. Jeremiah struggled to the point of despair. Elijah struggled to the point of saying, God, just take my life. These are Bible leaders. We read about them. We, 
We esteemed them. And these are people who despaired of life. And so the Bible doesn't back up, shy away. It moves right in and it encompasses all of us with all of our complexities. And it is here to be a word of life, a word of hope, a word of encouragement, a word in season, a word that can be so powerful that like Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. A guy had been dead four days. There was an impact word and a dead man came back to life. I want resurrection life in this place today. Amen. Go ahead. If somebody claps, let's get with them. Amen. So what about the deep, conflicting, warring impulses, thoughts that come like waves into our heart? The highs and the lows, like Elijah. The despair, like Jeremiah. We don't know what to do, what to think, how to respond, how to manage, how to get through it. So today I want to talk about the priority of the inner life. Number two, the complexity of the inner life. And then healing for the inner life. The priority. We're going to begin with a proverb today. And so let me take you to that proverb, please. Proverbs 18, 14. The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear You know what this verse is saying? That if your spirit is strong, spirit in the in Old Testament original language, which was Hebrew, is the word wind, speaking of force and power. Human spirit then would be the energy you have emotionally. Human spirit. And a healthy human spirit can live in the highs and the lows of life, the tough times, the great times, and navigate in victory. But if your human spirit gets unhealthy, if your human spirit gets sick, it's trouble. A strong spirit can sustain a very sick body. But the strongest body cannot sustain a broken spirit. So it's the priority of the inner life. When Paul prayed, we have the privilege of hearing what he prayed. So he would pray for the believers in the churches. They were being persecuted, ripped out of their homes, thrown into prison because of their faith. So Paul would pray. And he didn't say, Lord, soften the heart of the magistrate so he will go easy on these believers. He didn't even pray, protect them. Here's what he prayed. God, out of your glorious riches, would you strengthen the people with might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man? He prayed for inner well-being, inner strength. It was about the inner life. John said he wants us to prosper. But we will only prosper on the outside to the degree that our soul is prospering. The inner life. The priority of the inner life. 
So now let's move to the complexity of the inner life. I want to break down three areas. There are more, but just these three will take us till about 2.30 this afternoon. <laughs> You're like, I'm depressed now. <laughs> and I'm going to miss lunch. I'm going to be more depressed. But the Redskins and Cowboys don't play until later today. And after that game, Kelly will be depressed. So, and then I'm going to be depressed because I'll be out in that doghouse tonight. So we all need this message. Three areas. It can be emotional and physical in nature. It can be emotional and relational. It can be emotional and moral. Or it can be a combination of all three. Let's deal with the complexity. And, and let me just praise God for, for the Bible. Because if you go into a bookstore or you, you search this on Amazon, you'll find books that would speak to each of these. But you don't find a book that speaks to all of them. So what we tend to do is get into reductionism. If you come to me and say, this is what I'm going through, if I'm not careful, I'll reduce what you're going through to one area that I'm most aware of, most qualified to speak into, or I've just got into this mindset, it's all, it's all one area. And if we can just get it right morally, the rest will fix itself. Or I live in that area, and, and it's all about the physical. We get, the, we get you healthy physically, everything else will balance out. Or it's all, it's just simply relational. All your emotional issues, you got all this dysfunction relationally, we fix that, we fix you. The Bible draws a huge circle around all of us, and it speaks to the complexity of the inner life. I'm so thankful for that. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a book that's alive. It, it is so good, so good. And, and I won't even go outside of one book. I've referenced Jeremiah, I referenced Elijah. I could talk about David. I could talk about Paul. Just from one book, we'll see how it deals with the complexity. We'll start with the emotional, physical nature of a crushed spirit. Here's what the Bible says. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So you see the connection, go back to that previous verse, if you will. You see the connection between the physical and the emotional. So if envy, which is a very negative emotion and an attitude and presence about me, but it's part of the inner life, if that's going on, it will have a direct effect on me physically. We all know that I think the stat now is well over 80% of physical problems ties back to something emotional. But it may be physical that's giving you an emotional challenge. Because if there's a chemical imbalance, it's going to, that's physical. People say, no, it's all in your head. That's right. It is all in my head. It's physical. And it will affect me emotionally. 
If one scholar said it like this, we have never lived in a day like today. Let me describe. We're on screens more than we're ever on screens. We're inside more than we've ever been inside. God made sunlight for a whole lot of reasons, and one reason is because we need some of it. We need to be outside some. And so there, in my day, you had three channels. None of them were good. You had to look through the snow. You'd sit there and hold the antennas and say things you shouldn't say just to get a clear signal for a show that was horrible. So you went outside, played in the dirt, and it was awesome. Now we're inside all the time. It's a fast food-laden society. We have frenzied schedules. We have whacked-out sleep patterns. And so it is just an opportunity for uh, emotional chaos. Now, you add the circumstances of life into that. And we never get a class on how to process pain. So, it can be physical affecting the emotional or emotional affecting the physical. Let me tell you the story of Pastor Tom Nelson. He pastors in Texas. He is a brilliant, amazing pastor, and his story is this. Uh, this was some years ago, about five or six years ago. His church with, was at a high point. His marriage was strong. His testimony is he was living for Jesus, so there's nothing going on in his private moral life and his church life as well. You know, things are good. But he said one evening he, he got in such physical pain that he had to go to the emergency room, but they couldn't find a reason. And he said it just continued, and he went through test after test after test. Two months into this, finally a doctor said, this is a chemical imbalance. He said, your body is cannibalizing serotonin. Serotonin is what keeps your central nervous system functioning effectively, so that you have the energy, remember, the human spirit, it's the energy to deal with the highs and the lows, the challenges. Without it, you get discouraged, your spirit gets crushed, you start battling depression, maybe all the way to the point where you're numb to all of those around you, you can't hold a job. Like this pastor, he said, I got to a point, I couldn't even process nouns and verbs. I couldn't read. I didn't have the attention span for it. He said, I was shut down. And he said, I'd never been happier in ministry. My marriage was healthy because it was out of nowhere. And so the doctor said, we've got to build up this serotonin. And it, it won't happen in a week. And it won't happen in two weeks. This is going to take some time. He said, but now, you've got to deal with the schedule. He said, what I was... Uh, doing was running a schedule that was out of control. And the doctor said, because of that out of control schedule, all of the adrenaline, all of the time, your body has said, that's it, no more. He said, now you can overcome this, but you're going to have to stay under my careful care while I administer this serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And it's going to replenish that. It's going to block what is just diminishing it and not allowing it to build back up. And over time, that will happen. You're going to feel better in a couple of weeks, and you're going to say, 
I'm going to quit taking this medicine. He goes, no, you're not, because that won't work. We're going to take it until the appropriate time. And under the careful care of that physician, he did that. Now, these years later, he testifies. It took about six months, and he started feeling healthy. It took three months for him to even resume a normal schedule. And here's what this pastor says, and maybe you connect with this. I do, and, and I, I'm not bringing criticism to the way I was raised. It's just we kind of we're learning as we go. And he said, when I thought, when I was told, this isn't physical, you have to go see a psychologist. He said, I thought I was King Saul going to see the witch of Endor. Because for some reason, we attach a stigma. I can tell you I've been struggling with my throat, my breathing. I've seen doctors. I've had tests. And you're praying for me. And I'm finding help in a doctor that God planted in this church. And I praise him for it. And people have praised God. There's no stigma attached. But if I stood here and said, I need you to know I'm fighting depression. And I am under the care of a doctor. And he's prescribed medication. There's just something a little different about that. If before salvation I had stepped on a landmine and lost my left leg, after salvation, no one would say, Now, Jesus makes all things new. Where's your leg? But if I stepped on a landmine emotionally before salvation, after salvation, and I say, man, I've got this going on, there's like, well, Jesus makes all things new. You must not be praying enough. You must not be reading your Bible enough. If you get the flu and the normal things you do don't help, you run to the doctor, get an antibiotic, trust that doctor to know what he's doing, making you a prescription that you may not understand, going to a pharmacist, you don't know, they fill that prescription, you take it, and through the blessing of God who gave doctors the brilliance and those who make the medicine, you come out, you no longer have flu, praise Jesus. Get a mental illness, And suddenly, there's a stigma. Could we be a church that says, for whatever reason that's happened, let's be a church that removes the stigma and says to people, if you have stepped on a landmine emotionally, we're not going to judge you. We are not going to niche you in some lane and to try to simplify the complexity of your struggle, we'll be honest, we will pray, we will love, we will stand with you, and if you need the careful oversight of a godly doctor, not that you would go to seek medication just to numb out, no, 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 but with accountability, because you're after freedom and victory, we will celebrate anything that God brings in your life 
that can get you to a new season, a new day, a new mentality where you are healed in the inner life. Praise God. Notice this next proverb. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's saying, turn to wisdom. And when it says a kind word, it's saying, turn to a word that can speak into where you are. And just like I tried everything to try to find some improvement with the physical situation I'm going through, I then turned to get a word from people who know a whole lot more about this than I do that can speak into this. Turn to a kind word. It could be a trusted, godly friend. It may be at that level. It could be your spouse entering into intercessory prayer with you and holding you accountable. Could be, could be that you need to find a great counselor and sit there and empty your soul with what you've gone through and see if they can identify some things that would just allow you to see what you've never seen before and give you some strategy. And you walk out of there and you say, thank you, Jesus, for putting these resources in my life. Amen, church. Amen. Your bulletin, it's full of resources, numbers you can call, groups you can attend. We want to help you any way that we can. Let's continue with the complexity. Number two, the emotional relational nature. Look at this proverb. A happy heart. Again, that's emotional well-being. Inner peace. It makes the face cheerful. So I'm not painting on a smile. I'm not hiding behind a fake smile. I am truly joyful because my heart is healthy. But a heartache crushes the spirit. The word heartache, it is speaking of the core. Your heart is the core of who you are. That's what the proverb is speaking to. And from the core of who you are, you will ascribe fundamental trust. It's the way we're made. I'm going to place my trust in something or someone. And if where I place my fundamental trust disappoints, breaks that trust, then it creates not just pain. This goes beyond that. It's a crushing blow. This is the girl in Memphis who by age 16 had lived in 18 foster homes because as a child, her parents just said, we're done. And by nature, you're going to want to place fundamental trust in your parents. And if that gets broken and it's not, that pain's not managed with the help of the Lord and resources that he would use to help you. That heartache can crush your spirit. And you'll never see people the same again. 
That then suppresses personality, gifts, and talents. You live in the boundaries. Pain has become a prison. Here's my story. Between a year 2003 and 2006, three people very close to me, what I would consider a closest friend, and then the next person, my own brother, the next person, an executive pastor that I was very close to. I had the highest esteem, esteem for all three. And if you would have said, look at all the craziness that happens in life, I would have said, but these three guys, you won't find them uh, in that kind of activity. They are men of integrity. They're not gonna do those things. And I watched all three make choices that I never thought they would make. And when it, when it happened to the first one, and it was a sequence, not all at the same time. When the first one happened, I, I remember the first time in my life, a voice in my head that says, can't believe he did that. And there was like this low-grade occasional thought of, you can't trust people. Now, by nature, I'm just going to come up to you and say, there's 7 billion people on the planet, and you're the most awesome one. I... I love people. I believe in people. God put in me a motivational gift. And for the first time, that, that natural motivational gift started being pulled back. Second guy, and, and I'm just like, I can't believe this. I never thought. And the pain that I was going through from that activity was resulting in crushing blows to my spirit. By the third one in three years, I found myself going through the motions. I would say the things I used to say, but they weren't packed with the punch of authenticity. And it was horrible. So I didn't go see a counselor, but if I could roll the clock back, I would. Because the help I dug out of just pursuing help on my own, I think I could have gotten it a lot faster. Three lessons that the Lord taught me in this emotional relational. My, my crushed spirit was in this category. It wasn't emotional physical. It was emotional relational. Number one, the Lord had to mature me in the idea that people are people. And people are human. And humans can make some really bad choices. So my friend is a person, he's human. My brother is human. When we were little boys, I didn't think that. Uh, my executive pastor just, and people can make horrible mistakes. And I'd created a category that I knew that. I was a pastor, I knew that. But I'd created a category but not these guys. And so I had been unfair to them, not condoning what they did, but been unfair to remove them and to eat the pride to think that I myself. I was like, you, you better think about the beam in your own eye while you're trying to work on the speck in someone else's. 
So I, I, I realized, and it helped me to understand, hey, parents are people. You say, mom and dad have hurt me. Parents are people. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. And I'm sorry for the pain. See, fundamental trust, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show us where we gotta place it. Because there's one person who has qualified himself to be totally trustworthy. Second thing, I became a victim, like my joy, my gifts suppressed, my personality restricted because of the actions of others. And I, I felt so depressed because I knew it. And it's ugly and it's, it's unnecessary. And it just is a cycle that seems to push you deeper and deeper and deeper down into the despair. And the Lord said, listen to the narrative. You're talking about, I would say, my friend, my brother, my associate pastor, my, my, my. And so I created another category that I know that this kind of stuff happens, but I, I just didn't make a category that it could happen to me. The Lord goes, That's, that has to be pride, right? And so the root was pride, and the fruit was depression. And if I would deal with the root, then the fruit. And it has been a journey of realizing that, the, because when you're raised in a healthy home, and by God's grace and only his grace, I was raised in a healthy home. You get this idea that tragedy and pain, somehow, it, listen, it won't come nigh my dwelling. I want to tell you it's going to come right through the door. What, what's an option is misery. When Psalm 91 talks about 10,000 may fall over here and 1,000 over here, but it won't come nigh my dwelling, it means that there is a God who can stabilize the inner life so that when everything you know is being shaken to the ground, there is a foundation that can be beneath you. It's not people. It's not places. It's not things. There is but one rock that is solid. So my hope is built on nothing less. Nothing less. Hear it. Nothing less than Jesus. Then the Lord said, what do you mean he said? It's just in my heart, you hear, you hear a voice. And he said, you've allowed this stuff to create despair and frustration and anger, regret and apprehension. He said, instead of it making you angry, if, you, if you'll walk out this situation with me, it'll make you tough. 
mom and dad, young person, there's pain in this life. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to walk us through the process, on the other side, there doesn't have to be bitterness, brokenness, and continued dysfunction, but an emotional stamina for you to be the best person, to fulfill the big dream that God, hear this, some of you, he, you put your dream on the shelf. God wants to have you get that dream back off. It's a big dream. And you can fulfill the big dreams of life. Because through the pain, instead of it being a prison that traps you, it's a school that teaches you. And it teaches you the emotional stamina. Because you learn of a God who will anchor you in the storm, who will hold you in the midnight hour, and you will have the faith to keep declaring hope when everybody else has lost hope. And as a mom, as a dad, there will come a time you got to take that place and you've got to lead your family through the storm with faith and hope and hope where there seems to be no hope. Complexity number three. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. It could be emotional and physical. Could be emotional and relational. The emotional challenges you're dealing with could be connected to what's going on morally. If there's a sin pattern in your life, the way we're designed is to be checked, convicted. It creates tension because it's the Lord's way of trying to pull you back to him, get you to see the error of those choices and the path you're on and to look down that road and see where it ends and to turn back. But if you, if you quench that voice, the guilt will just keep piling up. We've all made sinful choices and we know the guilt that can be associated with those choices. But when you refuse to humble yourself before the Lord, you will be dealing with guilt at a level way beyond even what you did. And here's the way the wise man wrote it. It's such a powerful picture. It's like a wicked person who's running for his life and he turns and there's nobody pursuing him. But he's convinced he's being pursued. Do you see the torment in that? The turmoil? This is the story of a young man addicted to cocaine. He would try to do well and he would just go buy cocaine and go get a hotel room and binge. And he said, after the high would wear off, he said, I would crawl across the hotel floor to the window and I would come up slowly and look out the window because I was convinced the police were out there. He said the darkness, the torment, the paranoia. He said so strong 
that I would gather everything, check out of that hotel, and go to another hotel. The wicked flee, though no one pursues. And if you go to a counselor that is only going to talk to you about emotional and physical and not say, you need to repent because repentance is required when you're in this turmoil. There is no medicine. that a doctor can prescribe that will cleanse the heart from sin. This is where you have to humble yourself before God. You know you sit at that computer screen and you think no one else knows and it's just you and porn. And your life is a wreck. You're taking drugs and you are hiding it. You're on that phone texting somebody you shouldn't be talking to. And you think it's private. But now you're miserable. Hit your knees in prayer. Cry out to God in repentance, in honest confession. And guess what? He is faithful. And he's just, and he'll forgive you of all unrighteousness. He will forgive you. And until you confront that, you're never going to be emotionally well. So that's the complexity. Let's talk about the healing. The healing of the inner life. Here's the next Proverbs, Proverbs 15, I mean, sorry, 14. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. He's saying there's no one else just like you. Of all the people in the world, you're unique. Everyone has their own uniqueness and nobody can fully know you. So nobody can fully understand you and and what you are feeling and thinking and going through. You know yourself better than any of the rest of us. And yet it's even impossible for you to fully understand yourself. So what he's directing us is to the one who knows was there who is knitting us forming us assigning the date of our birth foreordaining good plans that we would walk in them it's why God cannot be just a concept. He can't be an abstraction. And Jesus 
Can't be just weekend Jesus. Where I tack him in if I have the time. The only thing that works is friendship with Jesus. Relationship. Let me describe. Next and final proverb says, hope deferred. It makes the heart sick. Like it'll never happen. But a longing fulfilled. Finally, something met the need, filled the void. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life. It's like there's a song that I know but I've never heard. I know it. I've just never heard it. Tree of life is used in Proverbs. It's used in Genesis. It's used in Revelation. God comes to Adam. He says, Adam, if you'll do what I say regarding that tree, you'll live. Of course, you know what Adam did. And Eve, they ate, they died. God came to Jesus, the second Adam. He said, if you do what I say regarding that tree, and Jesus said, I'll do it. And so what happened? In Gethsemane, Jesus was crushed. The weight of every sin, the guilt that goes with it, the pain of broken trust, the pain of betrayal, the pain of abuse, the pain of heartbreak, the crushing blow came down on the second Adam and he was crushed, body and soul. And the Bible says he died and he died on a what? Cross. But yet Matthew said he was nailed to a tree. And Acts says he died on a tree. And Paul said in Galatians, he hung on a tree. We know it's the cross. The Bible was just trying to say, tie it all together. That tree, that if you orient your life to Jesus, longing, that girl in Memphis, who had had 18 foster homes, she looked me in my eyes and she says, do I belong anywhere? Longing, but not fulfilled. Trust broken and it's fundamental and there's heartache. Longing, longing to be able to forgive Longing to receive forgiveness. And if you'll, if you'll turn to the tree and orient your heart to Jesus, the one who truly and fully knows you and received the crushing blow 
of everything you have ever experienced or will. And there's a theology called identification. He truly, completely identifies with you. No one else. There, it's not possible. I love Kelly, but I can't identify with her at the level that Jesus can. To the degree that you will orient your life to him. You will find what C.S. Lewis said. You're like that. That's the song. I've always known it, but I've never heard it. My heart just told me it's got to be out there. To the degree that you orient your heart to him. He said joy will go beyond the walls. The walls that pain built around your personality. And your talent, your destiny. He said, this, this is a joy that's more poignant than grief. To the degree that you orient your heart. Peter was talking, preaching. We get it in the fifth chapter, verse seven, it says, cast your cares. And team, you can come get all this stuff. We're about to pray. Cast your cares on the Lord. Have you heard this verse? Can you finish it? Because why? Cares for you. He goes on to say, be sober in your mind. Keep alert. Why? Because the devil who is, if you've been in this passage before, What's it say there? The devil who is a roaring lion is seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize that the devil is described as a roaring lion in the context of mental health? Cast your anxiety. Why would those two be in the context? Because apart from your salvation... The battlefield is your mind. And the warfare that's going on, even in this room, I feel it pressing against my spirit. This warfare to keep you in the darkness of despair. But I've come today to say, we're not going to run anymore. We're going to resist the lion and we're going to find the help of God, the hope of God, the peace of God. Come on, the love of God, the power of God, the power of the word, the power of the spirit, the power of the blood, the power of the church. And we're going to break through because everybody gets a day, a day where you break through. Watch this. As a childhood, I was exposed to trauma in my home, form of abuse and just a chaotic environment, a very unstable family. I started manifesting symptoms of depression. So my therapist over the years have always accredited my condition to what I experienced as a child. Um, I would run to any and everything I could. I would run to alcohol, drugs, lust to bring relief. I found myself unable to receive love and give love. 
And so in relationships, you can be as close as you can to somebody and you can't, you can't experience it with them. And uh, that was my relationship with uh, my wife, anyone else in my life that I'd gotten close to. Uh, my relationship with God, I couldn't feel His love. So everything I read in the Bible was true, but just not for me. I began to get fed up with just the, the uh, underlying despair in my life. It was robbing me, it was robbing my family. What the enemy was unaware of is that this desperation was rising up in me. This desperation for, for God's presence. The tragedy of my condition is not the affliction of depression that I went through, it was the separation from God. Everything that I read in the Bible about His presence, I wanted so bad because I knew that if I just had His presence, my affliction had to leave. And on September 10th at 8 p.m. in my driveway, the lowest I'd been in my life, um, God gave me a promise. He said, I will restore you and it pierced my soul. It touched every part of me. I got out of my car and I went inside and I went to bed and um, I started combing through scripture to find that promise because if God said it, it's in the Bible. And I found it in 1 Peter 5.10. It says that after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you and make you firm, strong, and steadfast. But not even 24 hours later, I was in my vehicle in my driveway again at two o'clock in the afternoon. My heart was changed forever. In a split second, I was given compassion and mercy and joy, all of them meaning something different in my life because it's something I'd never experienced. It was, it was as if I was seeing color for the first time in my life. And I began to weep. My wife, once she saw me, she said, what's wrong with you? And I explained to her that God had touched me. The circumcision of my heart that happened was that the author and perfecter of my faith placed in me a burning desire to do His will, placed in me this interpretation of Scripture. The Bible came to life, and everything that's said in there, I could fully understand for me. So the saddest thing for me now that I have to face is when I can't feel that presence. But all I have to do is cry out. In every prayer I've said since that day, I can feel my Lord. I can feel His presence. I can feel His hand on me. I will continue to surround myself with believers, Mighty Oaks, the church, and uh, absolutely share my story with anyone and everyone I can. I want to ask Drew and Kara, would you come up here with me? Drew said, ever since that day, I love his description. He said, it's like I was seeing color for the first time. Man, some of you are about to have that day. So proud of you guys. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord is doing? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This service is far from over. We're coming into the opportunity to engage in prayer, intercessory prayer.
and worship. We're going to worship for a period of time after we've prayed for those who want to respond. Because worship, what it does is it shifts the responsibility. Because these issues are bigger than us, but they're not bigger than God. There's nothing like worship to realign your perspective, to attach your heart back to hope. Because in worship, you're magnifying the one who's the greatest of the great. If you see yourself in one of these these complexities that I've talked about today, I want you to respond with your eyes closed. And you're care, will you just come stand right down here? Your eyes closed, if you'd say, that message, it's like it was just for me. And I want to seek the Lord for his help today. Would you just raise your hand? Raise it fast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands. You can put them down and everybody look this way. Even before I ask you to come forward, I want to fill this room with truth through worship. And you watch what's about to happen. It's already happening. Believers in this room and you're in a good place. I pray that the power of intercession is stirring in your soul because the the enemy would love to keep people where they are. And so we're believing for total victory today. Sing these words with me. You give up. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give up. You restore every heart that is broken. Sing that verse again. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. ready just like God gave Drew that day this is a day, a turning point set you on a new path set you in a new season set you toward a kind word that's going to come into your life from people that God has appointed to help you if you raised your hand or you know you needed to as we sing this again I want you to come Just begin to come. Just begin to come. It's good to celebrate people coming to Jesus. That's it. Come on, come on. Come on. I know it's going to be a lot of people. Just come.
Just keep coming today. Keep coming. Sing that verse, you come. You can fight, you are love, you realize. I need all the prayer team members. I need every one of you today. such power you're being very personal in your ministry today it's the way you are you're meeting needs breaking down those walls for some even when they just started praising you it began to melt away those layers that have layered them from you 
Holy Spirit, empower forgiveness today. Bring forgiveness, remove guilt, bring inner healing from past hurt. Holy Spirit, bring order to someone's private world and private life. Bring order. We pray that you would bring order emotionally. You are a God of order. The first work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis was order out of chaos. Just as you were moving over the face of the deep, you are moving over us and you are able to bring order in those deep places of our soul that have lost control. Do that right now, Lord. We're turning, we're orienting our life fully to you and allowing you to rush in and prove that you are the one who fulfills. We receive it today. We receive it.